0: Hey, Profs. Welcome on in. My name's Rob Lightfoot, proud two-time alum at Rick Edelman College of Communication, class of 2000-2001. This is Beyond the Brown and Gold.
1: I'm Jessica Kennedy. I'm the co-host here, also a two-time proud Rowan alum, class of 2008 from the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts and 2015 from the College of Education. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts... Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy. Jess, it's a two for today on Beyond the Brown and Gold.
1: We were so happy to have a Legacy
0: Family yeah, we on board got with us. Legacy family. We got, we got, it's it's two for the price of one. We got David Bergen, class of 82, overachiever, came back again a couple years later and got his master's degree in 02.
1: 20 years later. Twenty years later, big two. Two, twenty, same, same thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just busting your chops. There.
0: And then we got Bridget. His daughter.
1: Yes, Bridget Bergen-Hempler. She is a graduate of 2012. They have a, a strong tie to the university, which we are going to talk a lot about in the interview because I think
0: Brown and Gold like runs through their veins. Yeah, and she, look, I think she, she said her dad didn't lean on her to come here. I'm thinking there was a little lean there's a little be some pressure to come
1: Yeah through so here. legacy family we're we're going to tell you what Dave what David and and Bridget do in a second but legacy families for for people that don't know that's one or more generations well actually more than one generation of um, people that went to the same university in a family so this is father and daughter legacy families um are a very unique and special thing on college campuses so we're grateful to have had them on the show today. David is the manager for emergency preparedness, offsite and response programs at Public Service Enterprise Group, PSEG Nuclear LLC and he has a 30-year career in emergency preparedness and public affairs sectors.
0: She has a BS in chemical engineering from her own University uh, which she received in 2012, an MBA from Rutgers University, Camden. But she now currently serves as Global Strategic Original Equipment Manufacturer Advisor, Passenger Vehicle Lubricants at ExxonMobil. That was almost a career path I chose.
1: Really? Yeah, not really. Oddly specific for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but they're a great time. And I think you should hang with us and check them out. It's David. It's Bridget. It's Beyond the Brown and Gold.
1: All right. So today on Beyond the Brown and Gold, we're very excited. We have our first Legacy Family interview and uh, two of our favorites, of course.
0: Not only Legacy Family, but they're at a distance from each other.
1: I know. Actually, Not we're personally,
0: all, but spatially.
1: No, we're all at a distance. So we have David Bergen and Bridget. Um, Bridget, I always call you Bridget Bergen-Hempler. That's, you go by the full shebang, right? I do. Bridget Bergen-Hempler, the whole thing. Okay, good. That's what I thought. So tell us where you are, because we're Zooming with each other to do this interview. So where, Dave, where are you coming from? And then Bridget, where are you coming at us from?
2: Yeah, good afternoon, everybody. And I am coming from downtown Mantua, a whole 10 minutes away from the (laughs) road. The Pittman Rush Hour killed me.
3: (laughs) I win this competition. I am coming from College Station, Texas. You might recognize the town name because it is the home of Texas A&M. So while I'm a huge Pross fan, I also happen to cheer for the Aggies.
1: Oh, I mean, I guess we'll let you. You're living there. You're being a contributing member of society. In know, Texas, so, so, so that's fine. So we're really excited to, to have you both today. And it, it's kind of an interesting thing to get a legacy family. But David, you kind of started this legacy family, I guess you could say. How did you get to Rowan and, and Glassboro State? Really, how did you stay involved in a way that made you know it a part of Bridget's life?
2: Well, we had this conversation the other day with a couple of other uh, Glassboro State Rowan alum. You know, many of us are first gen people that in our families that went to school, and quite frankly, we didn't exactly know how to even get into college. I wasn't sure where I wanted to go, and at the time, I was able to get into Glassboro State. I knew I wanted to teach and I knew I enjoyed writing journalism. So it was a very good fit. So back in 1978, when I think there was one guidance counselor for every 100 students, um, I was fortunate enough to get into Glassboro State and began my career there with a double major in communications slash K through 12 education. And the communication part was with uh, journalism. The big thing though, that I remember most though is You know, step forward a few years and um, Lisa and I had a couple of children and we started to bring our kids over to Rowan University or Glassboro State. The smart art program was the first thing that we did. And we had this idea that if we took all our kids to college, guess what? They would want to go when they got older. And and that's really what started us on the family journey with uh, Glassboro State, then, you know, the. Rowan University really, really emphasized the fact that we were able to, as a family, watch the whole university grow and we were able to get our kids involved with the university.
1: Bridget, do you remember your first time, like, do you remember your first Rowan memory? Oh, I don't know if I could tell you the first because it was probably really young, but I certainly
3: remember smart art, loved that, like doing art from a very young age over at Rowan. I believe I did a mommy and me music class. Uh, At some point, definitely don't remember that, but have been told. For sure, can still smell the chlorine walking into the pool for TNT (laughs) Swimming with Tony, Lisa. And then fast forward, I did Girls in Engineering summer camp. I did um, a Materials Engineering camp a little bit later in high school. So I was always on the Rowan campus. Rowan's always been a part of my life. I knew it was previously Glassboro State, but that wasn't really the identity that I grew up with, right? Right. And then uh, when I was applying to college, it was really easy to put Rowan on the list. I wanted to be an engineer. So Rowan was, you know, tippy top for that. And I didn't want to go too far from home. And then when I got my college acceptances, Rowan was the easy choice because Rowan gave me a full ride and no one else did. So uh, from a from a high schooler perspective, it was just the place I was meant to end up and ended up loving my four years at Rowan. And Yes, I did grow up like five minutes away, but I did live on campus. That was a priority. I had younger siblings. My parents wanted me out of the house and I wanted out too. <laughs> Where were you living? Freshman year, I was in Mimosa because I was in the honors program. So wow. centrally located. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I was in yeah.
1: Chestnut my freshman year, but Mimosa, I was jealous of those that lived there because they were right by the rec center and the student center and the library. And yeah. They had really good access.
2: I was way over in Mullica. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: I was at Mimosa and then I was in um, Evergreen. Those apartments. And then I ended up, I, I finished on top. I was in Rowan Boulevard and I was the apartment directly above what I think is still a burger place. And thank goodness it wasn't a burger place until I moved out because I cannot imagine what that would have smelled like. I stayed on campus all four years, which was awesome.
0: So, Dave, I want to go back to sort of your journey and talk about. You're a double major. Some kids don't know what they want to do to begin with. Was this sort of cover your bases with the K to 12 and the journalism piece?
2: No, I, I, I knew. Well, of course, the dream was always to write the uh, front page of the sports page. Right. A very difficult task to get there. But I also wanted to hedge my bets because I enjoyed teaching and I enjoyed being able to mentor uh, students. So I thought I would get the education part as well. And then, as you know, my journey, uh, based on those skill sets, I ended up working on a nuclear power plant.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, okay. You
2: know, it, it's it's Perfectly logical. Thing. Yeah, how
1: do you make so, yeah, that? How does that work? Together,
2: right? uh, and, and I guess what's really interesting is my part of my job that I do in emergency preparedness, we go out and visit with the public. And of course, some folks like to learn about what's going on with the power plant. But more importantly, depending on your industry, but especially in my industry, you can talk with really big, scary words. And- I was the person that could interpret engineering, excuse me, Bridget, but I could interpret engineering to the community, which was very important. Your, your row and background can actually make you flexible for many different areas. And you can tell, you know, a communication education major ends up at a nuclear power plant. Who, who would have thunk it back years ago?
1: David, did you grow up local? Like you're in Manchua now, but where did you grow up? I grew up in Cherry Hill. Okay. So you were, you were pretty close, but was like Bridget said, Rowan was kind of always on her radar. So it was part of, you know, her, her growing up experience, but for you, what was your exposure to, to Glassboro state? What made you want to come here?
2: Well, again, I think it was just the fact that I knew of Glassboro state. I wasn't too sure about any other institution I could go to, uh, being a first generation person, nobody in the family had really understood the process of getting into a college. I had no help from my guidance counselors and uh, Rowan took me in right away. So that kind of impressed me from somebody that really had never gone through the process before. And once I got down there to meet some of the folks, it was very welcoming. So I figured, hey, this isn't a bad place to go. And if I need to, I can go home on the weekend, but I'm going to live away from home as well.
0: A big different experience than what you had from what Bridget had. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, living on campus back then and then living on campus now, completely different experience. Bridget, you can tell us, like, did dad put a little, like lean into you, like you're going to Rowan?
3: No, I think he always said it was up to me. And I, we visited, oh, gosh, we've I've got two brothers. That man has visited a lot of college campuses. So dad, mom, always supportive wherever we wanted to explore. But Um, And I'm, I'm the only one that ended up at Rowan, but it was obviously the place I was, I really think it was the place I was meant to be. So it all worked out.
1: Did going to Rowan secure your space as the favorite child or? (laughs)
3: Uh, Well, I'm the only girl. So obviously I'm the only child. I'm the favorite child.
1: Now, Bridget, I have two, two little ones. And I always think that if I expose, I like try to strike this unique balance, right? Like if I, David, you can might understand this too. Like if you brought her here too much, would she be like, oh, Rowan, I've been there. I've done that. Mm -hmm. Like I always think with my boys, I don't want to bring them around too much. I want there to be some kind of like mystery around this. Place, so maybe they want to come here someday because hey, we have free. You know they're going to push. One of them's going to push benefit. back. I know. One of them's going to push back. I'll, I know. That's a whole negotiation I'll have to have later in life. But were you worried about that, David? Like that, if you brought your kids around too much, they might not want to come.
2: No, the the idea was again. I go back to what I would you know said earlier. You know, we figured if we took our kids to a college environment, the big picture was they were going to go to college. Rowan would be great but if they went someplace else, that would be great also. So I never had that, never had that fear. And actually I thought that if they thought Rowan was more like home, maybe they would stick around.
1: Oh, that makes my
2: heart feel good. Okay. I might tear up. The key is when you bring your kids to a program, you leave them because they want to be on their own. So if they get a chance to experience things on their own without us, Obviously, it makes the place look a lot better than if their mom and dad's over their shoulder the whole time.
0: Let's try this experiment. Bring your kids on campus tomorrow and just let them go.
2: Let them,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't really function. They're only four in one. Pop
2: them all forward, Dr. Houshman's
0: office. he would love to take care of them
1: probably yeah he's got kids he'd be (laughs) great great shape
0: so so bridget tell us about your experience here on campus some of your maybe favorite faculty members or some favorite so classes you experienced here
1: oh so i was a
3: chemical engineering major so shout out to the whole department fantastic wonderful people um i may or may not have had one of my professors in my wedding
0: can we share who that is
3: dr berningo So you make some really, you know, meaningful relationships with folks on campus. But I actually also did um, a minor in Spanish, and I did some the honors program and a concentration in international studies. So I felt like I got a good variety of professor relationships from different departments. And I have to shout out Dr. Manley from the language department. Um, I took a Quechua class freshman year of college, which is the most widely spoken native language in the world. And while I can probably only count to 5 and say god bless you at this point. That class, <laughs> I like I'll just never forget how cool that was and taking something that was so different from the rest of my day. So definitely encourage while you're on campus, like if you have multiple curiosities, go for all of them. Get all over the campus, try all the different departments, you know, while you're there.
0: One of our other guests say that they kind of really ingrained themselves into different pieces
1: yeah i yeah i remember a lot of people that we've interviewed it's crazy how involved people are on campus especially within Mm -hmm. engineering curriculum because i know that our current engineers it's a very it's 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 rigorous yeah Yeah, it's difficult do you think like what was your first interest in engineering was it attending those programs at rowan growing up the girls in engineering programs or what kind of sparked your interest in pursuing engineering
3: yeah i i think until like four grade i wanted to literally be indiana jones um at one point i wanted to be an environmental lawyer and then in sixth sixth grade or seventh grade was when i went to the girls in engineering camp mom and dad were like hey we're not stem people but there's a stem thing so let's send her and see if she likes it and i remember ripping apart a toaster and cleaning up water from the pond behind engineering hall and then i made lip gloss and that was really it like the fact that you invent things that makes make people's lives better and use science and math, but you don't need to be around any bodily fluids like a doctor. I was like, I'm sold, you know, I can help Ah! people, but I don't have to work in the hospital. This sounds great. (laughs) So really from middle school on, like as I went through high school, like math and science, I still liked them. They were very challenging. Um, I loved all my other classes too, but I just liked that idea of it's a good career. Um, It's something not a lot of young women do. So I think that also, Appealed to me. It's kind of you know unique, and then Rowan just happened
1: to set me on the path and keep me going once I got to college. David, what did you think when Bridget said that she was going to apply to be uh, you know an engineer? What what were your immediate thoughts about that?
2: Uh, well, we knew she was going to be an engineer way before she applied, so <laughs> that was not an issue. Like Bridget said, when she was in sixth seventh grade, she came home and said, "This is what I want to do."
1: I don't. I think in sixth grade, I think I maybe I still wanted to be Indiana Jones too. Yeah. No, I have always wanted to be like an actress or a singer or something. A little unrealistic. Think,
0: I don't remember back then.
1: You know, your no. memories. <laughs> That's shot. That's really cool that you always knew what you wanted to be and you really set yourself up to do that. And really neat that Rowan was able to kind of provide you that introductory experience to engineering, like making lip gloss. Right? Like who would have thought? You know that they're shaping a future. Bridget Bergen Hempler, right? Uh really impressive, a really impressive girl. So let's talk a little bit about both of your career paths and how you got to where you are in, in your current position. So, Dave, you, you definitely. How did you get to, you know, were you ever in the classroom, in the nuclear plants? Yeah, like where
0: did you ever use that K to twelve? Uh, no.
2: <laughs> One of the things about uh, the time frame, right? So I graduated in '82, which was dead. Smack in the middle of recession, and I even had this conversation the other day too. Uh, by and large, I do believe our educators are well underpaid, and something that we need to correct and something we need to be a part of as Rowan University uh, when we prepare the next generation of educators. And I just realized that uh, some of the goals that I had were not going to work on the salary of a teacher, and. I did a couple of other side gigs to get where I went, but uh I, I did I opened up a hotel over in Center City, Philadelphia. You, you opened up a hotel, yeah, a hotel right across from the Academy of Music. At that time, it was Hershey Foods was going to expand into the resort business. And uh, I got a job working in the back of the house. My cousin was a general manager there, but I was learning the ins and outs of all different parts of the actual hotel industry, including how you run a kitchen, et cetera, and then how you run the front of the house. That was great, but the hours were long. So I took a job doing sales for all the equipment that goes into those facilities and also all the equipment that goes into a hospital. So I did that for a little bit. And while I was doing that, I met a caterer who catered to all of the executives down at Salmon Hope Creek. And she said, you know, you're a nice young man. You don't remind me of the type of person that wants to be a salesperson all their life what would you think about working on a nuclear power plant? I did an internship with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and I actually uh, reviewed the emergency plans for the peach bottom nuclear power plants. And they noted that on my resume, because at that time, there weren't a whole lot of folks that ever worked at the nuclear industry. And I got a call and they gave me an offer without even an interview, which was rather interesting. Did you like it? But it combined the teaching skill, it combined uh, the writing skill, because you're doing emergency plans, plus you got to make those Again, in understandable language, not sophisticated language. And and the hours are better, not to
0: mention that from the hotel industry.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the hotel industry was fascinating because it was a brand new hotel in Philadelphia, the first one that had been built in 10, 15 years. And I got to meet people like Elvis Costello. Uh it was the year the Phillies played the Orioles in the World Series. They stayed at the hotel. Uh, it was the year the Sixers won a championship and I got to meet some of those folks like Moses Malone and Dr. J and, you know, those kind of things. That so it was pretty cool. All adding to the journey of what you can do and, and never, never refuse to investigate maybe an area you never thought you might be interested in, right? Keep your options open and experience different things to get where you want to go and enjoy yourself along the way, right? So that, that's all a big part of it. The other key part about eventually getting down to a nuclear power plant is I realized I could have an opportunity to give back to especially Rowan, because Rowan got me to where I was. Kathy Rosansky, who was in charge of the alumni board, I was able to uh, get in contact with her. I got onto the alumni board. And then at that time, I was able to get uh, public service, electric and gas at that time to start contributing to Rowan University in a couple of different areas. One, the project and program that Bridget went through. So we helped uh, underwrite that program. Then, of course, we're a major sponsor for uh, MLK when we do the MLK breakfast so I uh, got the chance to give back and, and help out and uh, uh, obviously the the family has been close to Rowan ever since
1: and david you weren't just on the alumni board you were also alumni board president for a period of time so you were very uh always very involved with with your alma mater so not just through the the professional lens but the personal lens as well
2: that is true that is true what and enjoyed you- every minute of it and and again had the opportunity to give back and enjoyed it
1: what was your
2: Fondest alumni board memory? Fondest alumni board memory, a couple different things. Uh, And and this may sound funny, but uh, I'm a big diversity equity and inclusion person. And uh, one of the things that I saw with the board is it was not diverse. And the other part to it was we didn't have term limits and you certainly can't be diverse if you don't have term limits because people never leave. You can put them in the other roles like mentoring. You know this. Um, they don't have to just go off and you know that's it. We never communicate with them. We can engage them with other parts of the university. Uh, but that was probably the thing that uh, I remembered most about being on the alumni board was was doing that because I think that really shifted what the alumni board was about. And after that was when some young lady at the you know uh, that I happened to know who graduated from Rowan two uh, got herself onto the alumni board. <laughs>
0: That's a perfect transition.
1: Yeah, so you both served (laughs) on the alumni board, and now subsequently you both serve on the foundation board. Correct. Bridget, your time on the alumni board also kind of matched up with my time in the alumni engagement office, so we got to know each other really, really well. Uh Um, And you're always kind of that that one that we tap into because we love hearing you and your story and all that you've accomplished. So tell us about yourself um, professionally and how you got all the way to Texas.
3: Well, it started at Rowan. So I, like I said, I was a chemical engineering major and my sophomore fall of my sophomore year, um, a Rowan alumni that was working at the Paulsboro office for at the time, ExxonMobil research and engineering wanted to recruit an intern. And I remember, you know, the department, chair, I guess, said, hey, here's the list of names of who you should interview. And I happen to be, I think, the only sophomore on the list and the rest were all juniors. And they were very unhappy when I got that internship. <laughs> I remember doing the interview. Um, and later on, you know, this Person became a mentor to me. And I remember Brian saying, you just had a really good attitude. You were interested in learning. You were personable. And sometimes as an engineer, that's really rare and that's all it takes to be successful. So she just, you know, felt that sparkle and I got the opportunity. So I started at ExxonMobil the summer after my sophomore year as an intern in Paulsboro. And I worked on lubricants for heavy duty trucks which I never saw coming. I did two internships in Paulsboro and then got hired full-time. And so for the first couple of years of my career with ExxonMobil, it was really easy to be back at Rowan. I was still going to the rec. I was at group exercise like every single day. I had so many friends. I had, um, you know, that were also grads that, that were in the area. Um, I lived in Glassboro for a while and then I got the opportunity to move down to our big office in Houston. And I knew it was the right place for me to go because i wanted to use more of my communication and business skills um still do technology but explore another avenue and there was a there was a great opportunity and at the time my husband was active duty army and most army bases are in the south so i thought let's get down there and then we'll you know we'll be newlywed, and we'll see what happens and it totally worked out we're still in texas we love it here um, I'm still with ExxonMobil and I love it at ExxonMobil as well. And I do engineering every day, not anything I studied in school, but that's the point of being an engineer is that you can learn anything and go anywhere and figure it out and, you know,
2: just have to have a good attitude about it. So no, no, communication majors can go anywhere and do
0: anything
3: Engineers that are good communicators or communicators that can translate
2: engineering. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> no, I think that's a huge skill because we've said it before on previous shows, but I think there are a lot of folks that might not be working directly in their industry, but at the same time, they're able to trace back some of the success to some of their time here on campus and some of the experiences that they've had and those translatable skills that kind of move forward.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That actually reminds me, one of the other activities I did as a kid at Rowan was um, a children's theater program that would run oh, through summer. Missoula Missoula, Missoula Children's Theater, and you could audition and be in a play for a week, and that was one of my first theater experiences, and I was pretty active in theater all through high school, and then I was in the women's choir, actually, um, with Professor Stroop when I was uh, at the beginning of my college years, when it didn't interfere with my engineering clinic, so stuck with the arts there for a while, and my husband keeps teasing me, I need to go out for the local community theater, and I keep telling him that with a little one on the way, that is just not in the cards at the moment. Another <laughs>
1: little one. How old is your son? So, Servando is about two and a half. Okay. We have a baby girl coming in June. Ooh. which we're Oh, my about. goodness. So, what so. will they be, like, about three years apart?
3: Yeah, about three years apart. So, I'll have That's two good. little two little maybe future profs in my house.
1: Oh, I love that you're in Texas, but you still want to send them back to us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, you won't we'll let your, your children were saying to leave here on campus and you won't no, let them do that
1: i mean i know and i live five minutes, oh, you're five away, minutes but away. you know i have two boys i need to hold on to them forever because someday they're just gonna fly <laughs> away so i just really need to hold on to that as long as i can i want to
0: touch on because i i, I think actually dave and i talked about this before but We we are in the pre-interview session. Yes. Um, But so there's a military sort of theme running through the family, right? Correct. Yeah. So tell us about sort of that little rivalry that might exist.
3: Oh, no
2: rivalry. No, there's no, no, no.
3: no.
0: It's it's a one-way
2: rivalry, and I think it's all Bridget's husband, Eric.
3: We met our senior year of college. We're the same age, um, because we were both the presidents of Tau Beta Pi Engineering Honor Society. And at Rowan, Jess, you mentioned, engineers tend to be very busy and the same thing at West Point, incredibly. And so we got, we got sent to conference as presidents and got put on a committee that was, I think meant to inspire our chapters to be better <laughs> by letting us review the award nominees for really, really good chapters. And, uh, and he walked in in his uniform and I thought, oh, he's cute. And then he he, when I got up to introduce myself, recognized that i went to rowan and i even said hey it's rowan university you might not have heard of it here's where it is because this was a national conference and he came up and he said i know rowan i know your swim coach and i said oh you know tony and it turned out that tony lisa coached his entire career at rowan except one year he went to west and he was the sprint coach and my husband was a sprint swimmer so we had rowan in common from the very start so he might not have gone to rowan so he is a huge rowan supporter and we also You know, love, and are so so grateful to West Point for all the opportunities that the Army has afforded him. And he is, like many West Pointers, a very big Army football fan. Um, So our son, he has been indoctrinated. It is all the Philadelphia teams and Army. And I said, you know, the Aggies might be in there
2: too. But (laughs) Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, you name Flyers. Everything. He's He's
3: wearing a Rocky T-shirt today to school, and it just the daycare laughs because he's the only Philly kid they got.
1: really you both married somebody that was super supportive of your feelings and your your nostalgia for your time at Rowan so I feel like that that's so supportive because you all you continue to serve on the foundation board so you volunteer but you also continue to give of your resources to the university as well do either of you want to talk about the areas of campus you support and why you why you do that
2: yeah I wanted to add too that uh, one of the family traditions that we have regardless of where, our family is in the world. Uh, Whenever somebody would uh, get really close to our kids, now our um, oldest son, Gunner, who went to the Air Force Academy, as we were talking before, and then uh, Pierce, who is a Georgia Tech graduate, but is getting ready to uh, go out on his next uh, cruise in the Navy. If you are going to be a part of our family, everybody got Rowan Hoodie. It doesn't matter where he went to school, it all comes back to to Rowan and everybody gets the Rowan Hoodie. And next time you're in the bookstore, if you go over where uh, the chairs are, when you can sit there for a drink or get something from the little bar there, if you look up to the top, you'll see a picture Of the uh, Bergen family in the right-hand corner, the top of the bookstore. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I think Bridget was in high school. Gunnar and Pierce were both still in elementary school, Uh, and it's a picture of myself with my dad at guess what? In the alumni tent.
1: Uh, At homecoming. homecoming. Nope. We always see you at home. Bridget, we got to Well, you're, you're going to have a newborn. So I don't think homecoming might be in the cards this year, but we got to get you back the centennial year we're prepping for. So it wouldn't be a centennial celebration without the the Bergen family, right?
3: We will just read all of the owl books we have on our shelf that were so sweetly sent to us by Rowan when our son arrived. He loves owls. And I, you know, I haven't been like indoctrinating him from the beginning or anything not yet
1: not yet just, <laughs> just like whispering in his ear as he sleeps and playing the alma mater for the baby and the headphones <laughs> and your belly <laughs> it's a thing for our family that even if you didn't go to Rowan
3: you went to Rowan and you love Rowan and uh and you give back so you mentioned Jess um my dad and I set up a scholarship uh years ago at this point like right after I graduated so that we could help share what Rowan has gifted us with the next generation of students. So we started small and have worked our way up. And uh, now we're supporting students from the College of Communications and the College of Engineering. Um, And we love that we get to meet the students, albeit in person or virtually recently, and just hear their stories and what they're studying and they never cease to impress. So encourage anyone that's considering giving back um, you can certainly volunteer and you can mentor and do all those amazing things. But if you're strapped on time and you have a even the tiniest a bit of bit of money available, um you can always start giving back and and Rowan can give that through scholarships and other resources to help future profs
2: and it's very easy to start a scholarship even with a little too. even yeah. with a little bit of money. So I think sometimes folks think they have to give large sums, they don't. It can start very small and um, it builds up over a period of time. So you know, get in touch with that advancement group. They do a pretty sharp job over there. Yep.
0: And I want to say, like, I think we always assume that everybody knows what the foundation of Rowan University is, what the alumni board does. I think it's a good educational opportunity. Could one of you share sort of the background of what the foundation actually does here at Rowan and kind of give us that? And then uh, the alumni association, too, in case folks are interested in joining that.
2: Well, I, I, you know, the foundation board especially, um, and sometimes it's it's scary being on that uh, board because, my goodness gracious, you know, in, our, in my job I'm used to, you know, you have objectives and, or goals and then you have stretch goals. And he's always going for the stretch goals. So <laughs> it's always a huge challenge because obviously the foundation is trying to get money to support all the different initiatives we have but more importantly, making sure that we keep it affordable for the students that go to Rhone University. As I mentioned before, I'm a first-genner and um, you know affordability was a huge thing for me. We want to keep it that way. We don't want to create a university where people can't afford to attend. So um, obviously the foundation is looking for those opportunities to support as much as we can and keep education you know, very affordable. I'll, I'll let Bridget uh, talk a little bit about the alumni board
3: sure and and the alumni board is out there to support everyone who graduates from the university and even if you haven't graduated yet the alumni board is there to to help you out as well so um, a diverse group of folks representing all the different colleges over many many years of graduation and trying to make sure that we keep in touch with our graduates and and offer the resources that they need and also connect our graduates to the students so that we can form relationships help with resumes and guide departments in their curriculum, whatever it might be that um, we as graduates can do to support the university. So um, a really great way to get involved and also wonderful programming. I mean, homecoming and so many comedy events and shows and just athletics, everything under the sun, you know, all the different, different events that you can do to just come back to campus and see how much things have changed. And have a little bit of a nostalgia moment, but also be really impressed by what your alma mater is
1: doing. When we let people like Bridget talk, it's like we don't even need me in the office of alumni engagement. We're just gonna get, we're <laughs> well. just gonna get Bridget. So she's con- not engineering
0: or raising a family, maybe <laughs> she could squeeze that in.
1: Bridget, can you talk about? And I always, I always want to be like respectful because I know that everybody's careers are different. But what is it like engineering? Is you know mostly uh, a male-based industry. What is it like working in an industry like that? Do you feel some sense of responsibility to that little girl that was making lip gloss in in the sixth grade? What does that mean to you? The the number
3: of women in engineering has been stagnant for years. And it's uh, it's mind boggling because I just feel like it's such an incredible career field. And yes, you run into challenges and sometimes you have to be a little bit tough where you have to speak up and you know, speak up for your colleagues. But um, it's awesome to just see what diversity can do in the workplace, you know, the different ideas and perspectives and way that ways that we can support each other. So I've actually been involved. You, you mentioned how engineers tend to be involved on campus. Um, I was a member of the Society of Women Engineers, among other organizations when I was a student, and I'm now actually the lead of the global network of Society of Women Engineers at ExxonMobil. And so that's a professional, one of the biggest professional societies in the world for engineering that is all about advancing women and the workplace for women and making sure that we can make our mark and take care of our families and everything else we want to do um, while changing the world with our STEM skills. So I I take it very seriously that I want to support that little girl who thinks she might want to be an engineer and she'll probably you know in the world we're in run into some challenges and maybe someone will tell her it's not a good idea or it's going to be hard or she'll have a tough day at work but in the end it's all absolutely worth it and you'd be amazed the impact that engineers can have in improving lives and i think that's one thing we're up against when it comes to stem jobs that are outside of medicine it's really easy to be like oh i'm going to be a doctor i'm going to deliver babies like i'm going to you know i'm going to help the world it's a little bit harder to say okay i'm going to go manufacture cheerios or you know whatever it might be and that's how i'm going to change the world um but we need folks that are inventing the new technology that are advancing you know what what is available to everyone around the world bringing energy to people um bringing medicine to people so Sometimes it doesn't sound exotic if people say, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I work, you know, I used to work in our trucking area. Well, trucks take everything everywhere all over the United States. You know, that's how we get everyday products that we need. And that's a pretty cool thing. So sometimes it doesn't sound luxurious to be an engineer, but it's a very important job. And it's a lot of fun. And how many jobs are really
1: luxurious? I would
0: say yeah. mine's luxury. No, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding.
3: I'm just and, kidding. I'm just, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's kind of intimidating, but it's kind of cool when you walk into a room and you might be the only one that looks like you or they
2: didn't see you coming. Use the edge. So, one of the things we we're talking about at the Foundation Board was, especially with this being our centennial, right? We are, as we were saying, part of the centennial is subbringing our 100 years, but we began as a normal school, as a teaching institution. And you know, how do you get those engineers, how do you get those leaders in the area, how do you get those people qualified to do the jobs that we have going forward and be that economic engine? Well, we need to have great teachers to go out to the classroom. And we need to make sure that the teachers that are going out to the classroom are diverse, because that's one of the struggles that we're seeing. Like I said, I was on a board of education. And in that board of education, we're seeing that we're not getting diverse educators, right? Which is very important because You know, you want to make sure that everybody is represented from a teaching perspective so every student sees the opportunity that they can, and that's extremely important. So back on the foundation board, we need to get back into uh, helping our College of Education, especially with scholarships and and money, and even more important, can we come up with a forward-thinking program that goes to some of those schools that may have challenges with, I was talking earlier, not enough guidance counselors to help students get to college, or maybe their programs aren't as elite as some of the elite school districts that we have around the country but that we can do a little intervention earlier in the education process to make sure we get students to come to our university to be the educators of tomorrow
0: now leadership and mentorship seem to be a thread that kind of runs through through both of your roles and both of kind of like who you you know you who you are can you sort of give any i don't know uh, talk about that piece as far as it relates to your job and your roles and in in, in in your current industries.
2: Obviously, I'm a person that's been in the industry for a while. I enjoy being able to, we call it a knowledge transfer for the next generation. We've got you know, 35, 40 years of experience and we have to help the next generation understand parts of those experiences. But more importantly, make them comfortable to know that as a new person, it's a great opportunity to look at things completely different. We don't have to do it the old ways. We can do it new ways. That's the part that we want to encourage. Uh, I go back to a mentor I had at at, uh, at Rowan. So when I was on the WIT back in the old class pro state days. And uh, George Anastasia, who happened to be a reporter for the Inquirer, uh, was our advisor. And George was really good but telling us all it didn't matter what type of major you had, you could do almost anything if you have the desire and you want to do the research and you want to do the homework. And that's what Bridge and I both try and do is we want to turn that around and be mentors to the next generation so they have that uh, same opportunity. One of the other things about the WIT back in that day was uh, when I first started there, I was working for, uh, as we know, Gene Edelman now. Gene was on the WIT at that time. And uh, you know, again, small world, but uh, a great example of what Rowan graduates can do and how we can impact the rest of the world Especially as we get a little older and we have the ability to give a lot more back, uh, especially not just from a volunteer perspective, but also from a financial perspective.
3: But it's it's important to remember, too, you don't have to have a lot of experience yeah, to right. be a mentor and you don't need a title to be a leader. You know, I've been mentoring new hires and interns ever since I I started, because I had mentors and and coaches when I was an intern. So, you know, a, a new person walks into your company, like if you don't have a formal program that assigns them a buddy to just help them navigate the workplace, and then a mentor to help them learn those new skills and learn how the workplace works, recommend that your company start it. Everybody should have those, you know, kind of, point people. And then you might get assigned some people and then you might start forming relationships with folks. So I have one mentor who literally became a mentor because my maiden name rhymed with her last name. And someone (laughs) said, this is funny, you should meet. And now she's been a mentor for several years. So you never know like what random connection point is going to put you together with somebody. But uh, I have, I have a mentoring call tomorrow with a prof who I hired when I was the recruiter. He was an intern, and now he's full time. Um, works in a totally different part of the business than me, but we can talk about our company and our work experiences and his travel. And I think it's actually awesome that I don't do anything similar to him because he can talk to me about his job, and I can give a totally outside perspective and just toss out questions and. Like, like my dad said, fresh perspective. So just help him kind of look at his own work in a different way and encourage him. So you can always, you can always be a mentor to anybody, and you can be a mentor to someone who's older than you to help them keep track of what your generation Absolutely. is looking for in life and hold them accountable for what you know the future workforce wants.
1: So Rob, I think some of the most fun content from the show. Maybe we should start including this, but some of the most fun content is when we say the interview's over. Because we got to then talk to Bridget and David about how often they visit each other yeah. and what it's like to be a, a grandparent and expecting another baby on Bridget's end. So, you
0: got the nicknames?
1: Yes. We, 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 can we tell?
0: I mean, I don't know. If we can say that on the air.
1: I don't know. But D- David and his wife have very cool grandparent names that, that Bridget's um, son and eventually daughter do call them. So, that's, I've never heard of them. Although my mom is G Ma, which I think is pretty unique and what's your dad? Pop. So, pretty yeah, unique but pretty 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 great. I'm so impressed by the fact that Rowan was such a part of Bridget's upbringing and she still wanted to come, like which sounds strange, but like it was so normal like this university she was here a lot, right? It was so much part of her of her fabric and she chose to come here and experience it in like a unique way on her own which I think is really cool because she could have said I've seen enough of this place I'm kind of ready to go explore somewhere else but it's nice that Rowan made such an impression on her in her youth and that you know David and and uh, David's wife thought it was important to expose them to college and university so that they would want that for themselves which yeah, is really and
0: smart. and they're both back involved with the university in 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 a major way here serving in the foundation board so
1: Yes. Or and the foundation board. They have a scholarship. There's just no end to their their love for They're the university. They brown and gold forever and a day. I know. I Even know. from
0: afar because she's older in Texas.
1: I know. She was just saying she's still dressing dressing her kid and in prof stuff, and she's just already starting that that chain of love for Rowan. Well, we had such fun with David and Bridget. We anxiously await another Bergen to be added to to the family to see if we have another generation of um, Bergens that are going to be here on campus and we'll be able to call them alums someday. I'll be pretty old by then, but I look forward to the day that we continue this legacy family tradition.
0: And imagine when we interview all three of them. <sighs>
1: So cool. What will the technology be like then? Will uh, they be able to like transport
0: here? Yeah, we'll probably be like, I don't know, like holograms. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) From the grave, maybe. I don't know.
1: Oh, the grave. That's depressing. (laughs) That's only like 20 years from
0: now. Oh, okay. Well, you have bigger hopes than I do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, I think it's time that we end this podcast, this show Beyond the Brown and Gold. So thank you for your time. We can't wait to share more stories. If you're a legacy family, we want to hear your story. And every fall, we do have a legacy family competition that we have during homecoming week. And we share all that information in emails and online. So you can enter a contest yearly for tell us your Rowan story, your Rowan legacy family story. And let us help tell your story to the alumni community at large. And
0: if you want to be involved in the uh, alumni board,
1: the foundation board,
0: email alumni at rowan.edu.
1: Yeah, we'll hook you up.
0: You've been listening to Beyond the Brown and Gold on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM. You can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for Beyond the Brown and Gold or Rowan Radio on demand.